What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a new episode of The Tip of the Cap. Joining me today is Western New York umpire. Uh, I believe he's also a member of Collegiate Umpires. Is that correct? Yep. yep, that's right. And he is a newly newly elected member of the Western New York Umpire uh, Executive Board, correct? Uh, yeah, the Board of Directors, yeah. Yeah, Board of Directors, there you go. Uh, this is Justin Barlobin. Uh, Justin, why don't you introduce yourself, tell us about yourself, um, kind of fill us in on how you got to where you're at. Okay, um, so my name is Justin Barlobin. Um, this is my eighth year umpiring with Western New York umpires, um, and also uh, my third year as a member of um, United Collegiate umpires. Um, I live right in Buffalo. Um I'm a special ed teacher for Buffalo Public Schools as my day job. Um, and really, I got into umpiring um, kind of in the same way that a lot of guys do. Um, they saw a game. Um, I was home from college. I had just graduated from college um, and was watching my younger brother play a game. Um, those of you in the Western New York area might remember my younger brother, Connor. Um, so I was watching one of his varsity games and, uh, was getting a little frustrated with the umpiring as we do and had that 21 year old arrogance and thought I might be able to do a little bit better. Um, that, that's really how it started, um, was actually out of arrogance more than anything else. Um, (laughs) that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but really from there, I mean, I made a couple of phone calls, found out who to, uh, who to talk to. Um, I was living at home at the time, kind of between undergrad and grad school. Um, and just geographically, it worked out for me to actually start my career with the Rochester organization. Um, so I did my first school season with Rochester, um, then moved out to Buffalo for grad school, um, and have been with Western New York ever since. And uh, you are from Albion, if I remember correctly, right? I am from Albion, yeah. So that makes sense why the Rochester thing was a little bit easier for you, probably a lot closer for you. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Brockport, <laughs> a lot of Spencerport, those types of uh, those types of places. Uh, because uh, Western New York umpires, our geographic territory is actually Erie County, right? Um, and we, I would have had to go either with Rochester or with like the Niagara County group. Uh, probably would have been my two closest at that point. Right. Um, now, you said you've been with, you know, you've been umpiring for eight years and all but one of them have been with Western New York, you said? Um, yeah, so actually my first school season was with um, was with Rochester. And then um, I actually moved out to Buffalo on June 1st of that year. Um, so I, oh. my first season um, with Western New York was actually the summer ball season of my first year. Awesome. And how how did that work? Like uh, crossing over like that? Where did you the, did you have to go through a different certification process? You know, kind of something I was going to get into a little bit, sure. but uh, kind of walk me through that. Um, so, any umpire that works school baseball um, is a member of a local organization, um, but all of our local organizations are all local chapters of the New York State Baseball Umpires Association. Um, okay. So we're all a bunch of local chapters. I think there's probably about 25 to 30 chapters around the state. Um, usually roughly county-based. Um, it's a little different depending on where you're at. Um, so transferring between groups is very simple. Um, we need to get 
essentially just a letter from someone on the executive board, whether it's the assigner or the president, um, just stating that you're a member in good standing locally, um, and then you can transfer right over. Hmm. That's actually sounds like it's a lot more uh, simplistic than one would think if you've ever tried to, I mean, I know that I get certified, like, firstly, I get certified um, in first aid and CPR three times every two years because my job does it yearly, and then the school doesn't always recognize, despite it being the same program. So, right. you know, it's super complicated when you're crossing uh, crossing entities like that, but the fact that there's kind of a, I, didn't, I actually didn't realize that there was a almost governing umbrella through New York State, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, and we are... The, the governing body for state umpires is separate from the New York State Public High Schools um, and right. your athletic association. We're a separate entity that kind of contracts with New York State Public High Schools. Um, okay. So as long as, yeah, so we're all recognized through the state board. That's actually awesome. I did not, again, learn something every day. <laughs> so <clears throat> there's uh, there's actually been a lot of, a lot of changes this year with the West New York umpires. Um, the longtime man in charge is no longer the man in charge. Correct. Yeah. And I believe it is Norb that is now running the show, right? Yep. Norb has been running the show since January 1st. Right on. And uh, what is, what is your official position on the board of directors? Um, so my, I have two, uh, two positions. Uh, my elected position was as a member at large. Um, there's eight members at large um, and then five executive board members. So uh, for a total of 13 board members, um, I've been elected to a three-year term just kind of as a representative of the membership. Um, okay. On top of that, um, I've been appointed as the baseball rules interpreter for the organization. Which is which is cool because we talked about that uh, when I ran into you when the Western York umpires who you guys do a lot of this stuff um, kind of working with schools and organizations to kind of get work in for your guys help kind of evaluate a little bit stuff like that and kind of yeah, teach do. guys like live game at bats and stuff and live game action uh, we were talking about the your position as a rules interpreter and <laughs> I'll be honest with you I said I told you flat out I didn't even realize that was a thing yeah um, I mean and that's part of what I'm trying to change and what we're trying to change is um, past rules interpreters, not just with this organization, but with a lot of umpiring organizations are, it's really historically been more of an internal thing. Um, and that's kind of an old school mentality of, Hey, I, the interpreter has traditionally been the guy who talks to the umpires in the organization about rules changes and things of that nature or how how strictly are we calling box this year that sort of idea but that information never makes it out to the coaches and the players and the teams um what we're aiming for across the board is a lot more transparency um between us and the teams and organizations we work for um and a big part of that is me um doing things like this, um, um, putting my email and my phone number just out there for people so that I'm getting feedback on the rules side of things from coaches and players and things of that nature. Um, so that we can, uh, so that we can get better. We're always just trying to get better as umpires, just like you all are as coaches and players. 
Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's going to be good for people to hear is that there is some some drive to improve, you know, and and be better because, you know, I know we kind of talk about all the time, and it's this is true across all sports that there's an actual incredible shortage of people willing to do the job, and a lot of it's because, you know, the the guys that are good don't want to deal with some of the for lack of a better term, some of the garbage that they have to deal with when the, when they're officiating from parents and coaches and players. And I think a lot of that has to do, you know, I, I can tell you, I mean, I've been involved in this game since I was very young and I've seen a lot of good umpires walk away because they get accosted leaving a field for one borderline call, not even a bad call, but a borderline call or a call right. that a team's not, not okay with because it just didn't go their way. And meanwhile, you have a lot of, like bad umpires or bad officials that, you know, don't care to do the job well, don't care to be even in the right position or look presentable, let alone officiate correctly. And those guys make it harder on the guys that are, that are good and want to do the job correctly. And I think you see a lot of guys like walk away from it because, you know, you say, this isn't worth it to me to be, you know, verbally and physically accosted at times because you didn't agree with a call that I made and you're never going to make everybody happy at the end of the day. And we, I think we all know that, but, um, you know, it's, I, I think it's going to be, I think it's good for people to hear that you guys are, are focusing on being better, doing better. And not that you were doing a bad job at all. Um, just, you know, on just on the realm of, you know, the growth mindset, you know, you could be the best, you could be the best in the world, but if you stop trying to grow, you're going to get beat. So. Right. And I think, I think that's a mindset that, Honestly, a lot of a lot of players um, and some coaches don't necessarily recognize um, because they see the bad umpires. They see the umpires who can't make themselves presentable on a field and they apply that idea to everyone. Um, but or they imply that or they apply that impression to every umpire they see. Um, but what I think I and a lot of guys in my organization would like people to realize is that we're out there competing, right? Not sometimes with each other, sometimes with ourselves. Um, there are quite a few of us who are trying to move up in this um, career. Um, not a whole lot of us, uh, really only one person in Erie County that I know of who does this as a full-time thing. Um, but we're, a lot of us are trying to move up and get better and get better games and get um, get those playoff games, get those those Sunday night tournament finals, that sort of thing. Right. Um, yeah. The, the 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 games that you get to do and you when you're a part of it, you get to be like, wow, this was this is just fun to be part of, be, be to yeah, be around just, to see this good is just baseball. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um. So take me through. Uh, we talked a little bit at the Lancaster tryout. Um. The, the, the big one of, if one of, if not the biggest thing that from what I've heard, you guys are really going to focus on this year, should we get on the field is the hybrid pitching stance, right? You want to, you want to take us through, want to take us through that a little bit? Sure. Um, I will do it the best I can without the visuals that I always bring around (laughs) with me. Um, so I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big diagram drawer, so we'll try to do this. Um, so Four or five years ago is my best understanding. Um, The pitching rules 
in high school baseball were modified and made a bit more strict. Um, uh, there are two, I mean, we always talk about there are two legal pitching positions, the windup and the set, and everyone in baseball knows, has some idea of what those two things look like, right? Anyone right. listening knows what a windup is and knows what the stretch or the set is. Um, but what high school baseball at the national level did um, was kind of uh, crack down on what we call the hybrid or something that when a pitcher takes the mound or takes the rubber um, can look like it could be either way. Uh, me being a Cubs fan, um, Jake Arietta's windup is probably the best example I have of that over the past few years. Um, the way that Jake Arietta pitches is illegal in high school baseball. Um, and that's one of the big things that we are kind of combating um, is players who see these things on TV and then say, well, why can't I do it? Um, right. So do you want me to go into the specifics of the rule or? Um, not, maybe not, you know, to the letter of the law, but right. you know, just kind of a, you know, for anybody out there that's, you know, listening and maybe hasn't heard this yet. Cause I know you guys have tried to get the word out there, but yeah. you know, I know it's, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of questions out there too about, you know, okay, so this is going to be cracked down on hard in high school ball. What about summer ball? Like if, you know, I I actually had one of my kids ask me, you know, is there, you know, okay, so I can't like, I can't do this, but can I do that? You know? And then like, is this going to be enforced in the summer or can I go back to what I'm comfortable with for the summer? Like that type of thing. So, you know, just the, uh, you know, kind of as basic as you can. I know, like, obviously it's easier with visuals and stuff like that. And we can actually, uh, maybe put up some links or whatever you want to, you know, sure tweet out the diagrams when I attach this to Twitter and stuff. So sure. But, um, uh, so, so the big thing um, is the big focus point is that free foot, um, that non pivot foot um, and it creeping ahead of the rubber in the windup. Um, that is really what is illegal in high school baseball is that free foot being fully in front of the rubber. Um, that free foot in high school baseball needs to be either touching or even with the rubber, um, you're allowed to be, or behind it. Um, you're allowed to be off to one side. That's a change this year. As long as your pivot foot is touching, um, that free foot can be off to the side as long as it's not fully forward. Um, the idea behind this, the rationale behind this is to make it easier for umpires and for players to know whether the pitcher is in the windup or the set, uh, because there are different rules governing what pitchers can and can't do from those positions, um, specifically uh, with pickoffs and how those work. Um, and really, it's just, it it's actually, in my opinion, a simpler rule because it's more strict. Um, right. It, it really simplifies what is legal. Um, now, I, L- little I don't... A bit, little bit more black and white. It really is, yeah. Um, there, there are specific things that we're looking for. And if we don't see it, then we call it an illegal pitch. Um, and so I'll, I'll, I'll be forthright. I, I stopped playing baseball at age 12. Um, so I don't, I'm not really in the, um, in the know, as far as the biomechanics behind wind up versus like the, the biomechanics behind why certain pitchers decide to go into the hybrid. Um, but 
I've heard from a couple of coaches that there are some concerns about biomechanics and the best thing I can tell you guys is, well, we have to go by the written rule um, because it is actually um, a point of emphasis at the state level. Um, what we've found um, is that we were pretty inconsistent in calling this over the past couple of years. Then whatever teams go to the far West regional, whatever teams go to states um, get nailed by all those other umpiring crews from other parts of the state that have been calling it properly. Um, right. And I know um, there's a statistic out there that there were more box called at the state tournament last year than ever before. <laughs> oh, um, and that's what we're, that's what we're trying to avoid. So what, what right. I said when I, when I got up at the, at the section six coaches meeting was we're really looking to crack down on this in April. And well, during the regular season and during the early part of the regular season, so that by the time we get to playoffs, it's not a problem because um, nobody wants to make that call in a sectional game. Right. Um, so we're yeah, looking that's, to call uh... it early and, <laughs> and get it out of the game before the games really, really are meaningful. Yeah, no, nobody wants to get that call, you know, run around third, two outs, and all of a sudden you get get a buck called on you because of, uh, you know, being in the wrong pitching stance that hadn't been called all year. Like, oh, And, and I can hear it. I, I, he's been pitching like that all year. Why is it a problem today? Oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of what we're trying to avoid here um, is, is that inconsistency um, and getting surprised by it, having you all get surprised by it um, later on when you get umpiring crews from other parts of the state. Right. Is there uh, anything, any other big, because uh, I know every year you guys kind of have a point of emphasis and I know this mm -hmm. from having conversations with Norb. Um, you know, is there any other big point of emphasis that, you know, high school and or summer guys should know about going into the year? Um, the other big points of emphasis um, actually have to do with the rules changes um, from the past couple of years. So um, the Noxa compliant baseballs and the Noxa compliant um, catchers equipment, which right. um, is a whole different ball game. Um, so um, we have been told at the state level with the baseballs, at least to play the game anyway. Um, or allow the game to be played and then send a report to the state. Um, I know that at the coaches meeting, um, Robert Perry um, kind of put a caveat onto that and said, if the visiting team does not want to play with the non-compliant baseballs and they have every right to go home um, and get the game rescheduled. Um, so other than that, the other, the other rule change um, is there's a new, um, player slash DH rule. Um, essentially a guy is allowed to DH for himself. Right. Um, it's, it's pretty similar to, um, the college pitcher DH rule. Um, only, right. only it can apply to any player on the field. Um, so those are really the, the big things this year. Right. So like, in, and in that case, that would be say, I'm, I, my second baseman's in the game and he's, he's, a, you know, second base DH, he mm -hmm. can come out of the game defensively for a substitute who plays second, but then he just becomes the DH for that player. Right. Exactly. Um, that has to be declared at the beginning of the game. Right. Um, he had, but, but yeah, it's got to be on, got to be on the lineup card as a position slash DH. Right. Um, so it's a way to allow you to expect to plan on expanding from a nine to a 10 person lineup um, right. at some point throughout the game. Um, the idea, again, being, um, especially in high school, um, 
your better athletes tend to be, um, or your better pitchers tend to be some of your better hitters too. Um, right. not always, but that, um, but then they extended that logic to anyone on the field. Um, so it's a way to keep a guy's bat in the game, um, maybe plan for a late defensive replacement. Um, I think there's some cool strategy that could come out of this. I, I know what we've had, uh, we've had this in the past cause you know, we've had a lot of guys that play short and pitch or play third and pitch, mm-hmm. you know, so there's, you know, it could be a thing where maybe a guy pitched the day a day or two before, is feeling okay, but you know, after a couple innings of warmups, you know, maybe the arm's starting to hang a little bit. So you can start start him there. You right. know, you want his bat in the line because you want his bat in the lineup, and then you know, sub him out defensively. But he he still gets to swing it, right? And you still and, get a couple uh, innings out of him defensively, right? Um, so he's still yeah. he's still getting the work in for later on in the year, things like that. Right. I I know I know that we've never used it. You know, we right. uh, we we will generally go with just your straight DH. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've. We've definitely and that had is, and that is some still interest- legal, by the way. The, the straight yes. DH that we've had for twenty years or whatever—that's still legal. Um, right. This is an additional option. I, I and I do like it. I do think it's uh, it's definitely an interesting play. Mm-hmm. You know, we've we've had you know some instances in the past. Thinking back, that we're like, it would have been nice to have that option to say, mm-hmm. like, oh, hey, like we know ahead of time that this is probably going to be a move we need to make. But if that's the case, like we're now putting a a weaker bat in a lineup and in a championship game per se. Right. So now like, okay, well, or, Hey, we got like, darn, now we're in a spot. We got to pinch hit somebody and like move things around. Like this adds another, another layer to it. And it's, like I said, it's not something we've used yet, but I, I know that we have talked about it. So it's right. That's, that's definitely an interesting one. And it, I'll tell you, I actually had the, uh, the unfortunate experience of learning the hard way about DH rules. I cost me some money in a protest that I did in a, a game that, that I was actually playing in as the player manager of a, of, a, of a team. And I put in a protest about an illegal substitution with a DH and I lost about 150 bucks on it a couple of years, like uh, uh-huh. probably about eight years back now. But yeah, that was, uh, that was an interesting one. But uh, so we've covered the, uh, the, like the new rules, the points of emphasis and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I know I can tell you that I, I appreciate the fact that the, you know, Western York umpires have a Twitter account now that they're, you know, they're getting involved in conversations and, you know, things like that. I know I appreciate it. I know other coaches appreciate it as well because, you know, we live in a world of technology and information ruling all. So, you know, getting stuff out there is definitely helpful. The uh, Now, if, if, say, a guy wanted to become an umpire, walk me through the process. Like, if I say Derek Joswiak wants to become a Western New York umpire, what would I have to do to take that road? Um. So the simplest way to do it would just be to contact us. Um, we have a new website um, with a recruiting page. It's just uh, WNYUA.org. Um, and we have, um, we have an area where you can just um, give us your name and your phone number and your email, um, and we'll get in contact with you. Um, traditionally, we do all of our new candidate classes in um, – February and early March. Um, we actually managed to just wrap that up right before BOCES uh, shut everything down. Um, nice. We, we meet at the, the BOCES in West Seneca. Um, okay. And so we managed to get our last class in right before everything got shut down. Um, we have about 20 new guys who are um, now certified to work uh, modified in JV baseball whenever we uh, kick things back off. Um, nice. So yeah, uh, week about six uh, weekly classes. Um, 
and then you're you're off and running. Um, we tend to do a decent amount of our training on the field, um, which isn't necessarily ideal. Um, we do we do all of our classroom things before the season starts, um, but then a lot of the mechanics training, a lot of the where to stand, how do I make a call at first base, um, a lot of that happens in the moment, right? In at right. modified games and things like that. Um, that's something we're trying to change. Uh, but for now, that's how we're operating. That's how we've operated in the past. Um, what we're looking at doing is possibly opening up a fall uh, recruiting class as well. Um, just because we know that um, we have quite a few people who have talked to us in the past who just aren't available in February for whatever reason. Right. Um, so just maybe opening up a, a second um, new candidate class uh, in like late summer, early fall at the end of our season. Right. Um, so when, ba- when baseball like as a whole is winding down, there's a few fall programs going on, but not a ton, you know, cause I know a lot of guys that umpire also maybe referee basketball and stuff like that too. So, right. you know, that could, you know, not, a, I don't think as many translate into the ranks of football refereeing, which is the next big one then. So, you know, right. that, that sounds, sounds like a, fantastic idea to me not you know not that my opinion matters (laughs) it's definitely something we're looking at um hopefully for this season but we'll see right so when you guys do on-field training is that just live action in game somebody's there to watch and you kind of you know critique guys as they go do you guys send people out to evaluate umpires do you you know how, how do you guys go about doing that um so the evaluation process is still in the works, um, we've uh, we've talked a little bit about all the changes at the at the board level. Um, over half of our board of directors turned over um, in our past election, um, so right. we're a lot a lot of us are brand new to running an organization like this. Um, so the plan for evaluations is to send people out um, to evaluate um, at games. Um, the ideal place to do that, uh, for us is tournaments. Right. Um, cause you can, a lot park of guys, a, guy are, a lot of guys in one place and right. You can park a guy know. at a field or at a complex and you could, you could see 20 umpires in a day. Um, right. so that's, that's kind of the plan. Um, we plan on using, um, I know Norb has already been talking to some of our retired officials who maybe can't work anymore for physical reasons, um, but are still very sharp umpires and know what they should be, be looking for. Um, so we, we plan on using some, some people like that. Um, I plan on doing some evaluating. Um, I know Nord plans on doing some evaluating when I, um, have a day where I'm not working myself. Yeah. How Um, often does that happen? Not very often (laughs) in the summer, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm working by in, June and July, I average uh, ten to eleven games a week. Wow! Um, between the between the um, MSBL doubleheaders and the tournaments on the weekends and things like that, right. I'm, I'm averaging ten. Um, and summer collegiate ball, um, kind of back and forth between that, I'm averaging ten or eleven games a week for two two and a half months. That's you know good money in it though if you're uh, if you're willing to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I, so because I know. Uh, like I, I talk to Eric Saladin all the time and he, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I know he's 
you know, all over the place all summer long doing games everywhere. And, you know, me and him, me and him talk fairly regularly and I'll, I'll get a, you know, a text from like, Oh, Hey, saw this guy. Hey, saw that guy, you know, be it an alumni at, you know, playing in the collegiate league game or, you know, get a, you know, kid playing triple ABA or, you know, right. one of my guys in the summer league, you know, actually, you know, for, for better and for worse, you know, I've gotten the, uh, uh Hey man, you may want to talk to so-and-so they, uh, their entire team had a little rampage on me and, you know, it's also fun knowing, you know, knowing a bunch of you guys. Cause I get the, I get the, you know, Oh, what would coach Jazz think if he heard, if he saw you say that or heard you say that, like, and they all kind of, what? Whoa. But yeah, you know, the, uh, it's, it's always interesting, but I know, you know, Eric's the kind of guy that loves what he does and you know, that's why he does it as often as he can. So well, to the point that I don't believe yeah. he's playing anymore. So I think he's just, just doing the umpiring. I know he was playing last summer. I'm not sure if he's yes. this year or not. Yeah, we, uh, me, me, and him talked about that. And I think he, I think he's hung it up officially. But you know, we'll see. If, yeah. Everyone says it, it. It's very, very rarely true forever. So I think he's still got a few stolen bases in those legs. So we'll see. Yeah, don't tell him that. He doesn't doesn't need the ego boost. <laughs> he's just he's just lucky I don't catch. But uh, <laughs> so now. what does it cost to become an umpire? Like, obviously when you start anything, like I know, you know, I, when, when I join a new baseball team and I got to buy uniforms, I got to buy a hat, I got to buy, you know, what, what is, what is the startup cost for a guy looking to get into the ranks of Western York umpires? So that's one of the unfortunate things about officiating baseball is as a, a whole, we probably have the highest startup cost for officials um, other than maybe hockey. Um, would be probably the parallel for me. Um, I don't know how much padding those refs wear, but I think it's a decent amount. Um, Between dues um, and plate gear and uniforms, I would say you're probably looking at about 500 bucks or so if you're buying everything new. Um, What we've started doing as an organization, um, we have, um, we had an equipment swap meet, um, because one of the things that a lot of umpires like to do um, is upgrade our stuff as often as possible. Um, so I get I mean, it. I'm, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gearhead too. I get it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, um, when I moved up into the college ranks, um, my gear could not handle 90, right? I right. was, um, you've got some guys up at NCCC, you've got some guys at GCC who can just, at ECC, who can just fire the ball. Um and my chest protector and especially my shin guards at the time could not handle that kind of velocity. Right. Um, so one of the first things I did when I moved up to college ball was I got all new plate gear. Um, all of that gear um, is now in the hands of one of our new candidates, all of that old stuff. Um, and that happens right. quite, that, that happens quite often. Um, so we could probably, probably get a guy in for 200 or 250 total right um but also another thing um in our organization is at least on the baseball side of things you can work your first season only on the bases we do allow that right um kind of give yourself a an idea of if it's something you want to do like without the huge financial dive in right um it does limit guys as far as um, what types of games they can work. Um, right. We can't assign a guy to a doubleheader if he doesn't have plate gear. 
right? Um, because we're not making anyone work two plates in a row. Um, so there's there's certain considerations there. But as far as getting your feet wet and deciding if it's something you want to do, um, you can get through your first season only working the bases. Right. Which, you know, that's, uh, that is pretty cool. I think, uh, you know, it sounds like you guys make it as easy as possible for guys to dive into this because, you know, I, I know I'm trying, I'm trying to make, you know, make this be a little bit of a helpful plug for recruitment too, for you guys, because Thank you. We appreciate you know, I, I, I know, I know you guys are looking to expand your ranks, you know, as best you can. And, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to use the, uh, the reach that I can. So, you know, for those, those looking or thinking about it, you know, I know, you know, the money's, the money's good. I know that's made a motivator for a lot of guys Yep. and, um, you know, just kind of a, a way to, you know, know that you, if it's something you're not sure about, you can kind of test the waters a little bit without, you know, diving in head first. So is there, uh, anything else, you know, you wanted to cover anything else? I know we, uh, we mentioned something, you know, a couple topics on Twitter when we talked, Sure. just, uh, anything else for, uh, anything for the good of the order or anything you wanted to touch on that I haven't gotten to yet? Um, I mean, something I'm interested in, um, talking to you about and also getting your input on are, um, maybe some of the differences between a high school season and a summer season, um, from absolutely your perspective, but also from our perspective. Um, so I, that's something you know, we talked about. Yeah. I can, uh, I can tell you, cause you know, obviously I had had time in both summer ball and, you know, now some extensive time on the high school side of things. You know, I know for us, the, you know, the high school season is hectic. It's very, you know, if the weather's great, it's, you know, at a nice leisurely pace. We got two to three games a week. We kind of go, we do our thing, you know. Um, but especially now, like we, you know, we're not one of the schools that's lucky enough to have turf. But the, uh, you know, I know that there's, schools around here that do that make it easier on their schedule. But I mean, probably this is my 10th year as a high school coach, probably at least five or six of those years have been a year that we've had at least four or five games in a week, sometimes as much as six or seven in five or six days. So I know that's, you know, that's a bit strenuous where we don't, you don't necessarily see that in the summer, but you do see, you know, two to three games in a day, which is different too. So, you know, I think that's that the, just this, the type of schedule, I think for us is the biggest, you know, the biggest difference. I don't, I'm sure yeah. with you guys, you, if you want to work every day, you can work every day. So, yeah, uh, for the most part, that's true. Um, the, when you guys feel the schedule crunch, um, we do too, especially during the high school season. Um, especially when weather comes in, right? Because if the weather's nice, um, every single team in the county is playing right um which means every single team needs umpires um so um any given day um about 80 percent of our roster is available to work um the other 20 percent have blocked out that specific date for whatever reason um right work or family things or whatever um so any given day we probably have between 125 and 130 umpires available for all baseball and softball in Erie County. Wow. Um, so that gets pretty tight sometimes, especially during the school season. Oh, I'm sure. Um, we're looking, we're hoping for closer to the 200 range eventually. Um, it's probably not going to happen in a year or even two years, but that's kind of the goal. 
Um, <laughs> I, it, like I just, the numbers are staggering. Like, right. I know. I mean, I, I know I made a comment to somebody about the, you know, the fact that there's 200 some odd baseball teams in section six base baseball only. Right. So, and then, you know, and varsity only. So, um, you know, just the, just the numbers are staggering every time I hear figures like this. So mm-hmm. I, uh, that, that's why I'm, <laughs> it's just, it's amazing to me, like the operation that you guys have going on. And like, you know, I, I think a lot of us take it for granted of how, how in depth your side of it has to be for our side to complain about you guys. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, on the summer side of things, um, the biggest issue that I run into personally, um, well, two things, um, for me, um, I'm working under a different rule set almost every night throughout the summer. Yeah. Right. During, that's gotta be tough during, too. Cause during the high school season, it's high school rules for a month and a half, two months straight. And then all of a sudden I'm working a Legion game under pro rules and then an MSBL game under mostly pro rules with some lineup weirdness. And then a tur- tournament games where are mostly high school rules and then I'm going and working my summer collegiate ball, which is NCAA rules with a couple of substitution modifications and just keeping all of that straight um, night to night is interesting sometimes. Have, uh, um, have, you ever, have, have you ever made the mistake of making a call that was like, oh, that was a high school rule and this is a collegiate, a collegiate game or, you know, just like we all have brain farts. I'm just I'm oh, just curious. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um yeah, that happens every once in a while. Um, <laughs> fortunately, um, usually when those calls happen, um, it's normally a dead ball and I can just fix it. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, there have been a couple of times um, where, where something like that has gotten me into trouble. Um, I can't I can't think <laughs> of anything off the top of my head, but I, I've definitely gotten in trouble. with Short, short memory on those. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You got to <laughs> you got to just move forward on those. Um and the other kind of related to that, um, during the high school and college seasons, um, I can generally assume that every coach that I um, interact with has a pretty solid working knowledge of the rules that they're playing under. Um, that is not always the case in summer ball. I can just, only imagine there are so many teams. There are so many travel ball has exploded so much. Insanely that, so. Yeah. Um, which is a whole other topic we can get into at some point, but, uh, <laughs> um, but with all, with the explosion of travel ball, um, and everyone wanting to be on a travel team, um, you don't always have coaches who are knowledgeable about the rule set that they're playing under, or even, the rules of baseball in general. Um, right. I've come very close to ejections of a head coach um, over something as simple as the infield fly rule. Um, oh. Um, because it was a fly ball in the infield, and he's screaming at me to call the infield fly, um, trying to grab a cheap out. Um so that just, I mean, there, we get into some very interesting situations in the summer, um, <laughs> depending, depending on who's there, um, and what caliber of teams and coaches we're dealing with. Um, right. 
the the weird stuff always happens in summer, at least from an umpiring perspective. Having spent a few years, I think it was five five years as a summer coach. I can tell you that I was a part of and responsible for some pretty weird conversations and pretty weird calls. <laughs> um, I think my favorite was the bases loaded, no outs, drop third strike that scored me three runs. And oh, basically, that shouldn't the, happen. The, right, right. So <laughs> the ball hit the ground. I just yelled, go. The catcher picked the ball up and threw it into right field. I scored three runs. When the play was over, the other head coach went, wait a minute, the guy on third is out. And I went, you're right. And I sent my kid to the bench. Yep. He's like, he, he tried, he, he actually almost got ejected trying to argue that the, the three runners should go back. And I'm like, that's a live ball. Like, it's, yeah. it's not my yep. fault. You, like that's, you know, it was a tournament game. I scored three runs on it. It helped us put a game away. And sure. you know, that's, that, that's the nature of the weirdness that can happen in, in summer ball. You don't really necessarily see that. in uh, at least I can tell you, I haven't seen it in ECIC one. So. Right. Um, and one, one of the things um, with school ball in general um, is I've seen that coaches are generally um, generally know where the line is as far as ejections are concerned. Um, yep. But also um, you don't see, I, I think I have one school ejection in my seven years so far um, because everyone understands that there's a suspension with it Yep. and everyone understands that they're going to have to answer to school administration in some cases. Um, and they don't want to go through that. Um, and I know, and I know I, I just listened to your previous episode um, <laughs> and, and summer ball, there's not nearly as many consequences um, unless your individual organization. Well, um, that, that was, that was the funny one about my ejection story is I had to go yeah. talk to uh, when I got home, I had to talk to Rich Wozniak about it and tell him what happened and why I got tossed. And, he he chuckled at me because you know I've known Rich you know I've I've known Rich since I was fifteen so I'm going mm-hmm. on you know I've known the man for eighteen years now and uh, you know it, that conversation when I got back from Connecticut that day was pretty funny but uh, you know I I can tell you that there have been a few times that you know my players have looked at me and said you know I expected you to get tossed and I said you know in, unless you don't want me to be your coach anymore you know that's that's almost a, a you know fired on the spot type thing right um, you know especially depending upon the situation, the, you know, the, the, the reasoning behind it, stuff like that. And trust me there, I've had a few, uh, you know, a few reasons that I really wanted to get tossed for, um, over, over the past 10 years. And I can tell you, I've only, I've only seen one coach ejection and I think one player ejection in 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I know one of the guys who had my position before me at Lancaster, who I will not, I will not say his name because he's, <laughs> moved up to an administrative role at this point, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, I know he got tossed from a game and, you know, his whole thing was when he, when he did it, he basically looked at the head coach and was like, I'm really sorry about this, but, uh, please help me fight for my job if I get in trouble for it. And he went and got tossed. So yeah. the, uh, it's, it's definitely tamer. I can yeah. tell you that much. Um, you know, I could tell stories for days about tournaments and summer games, you know, I, I used to get a kick out of it because back when I was, you know, um, when I was coaching in the summer, you know, New Era was one of the only, I think there were maybe like a New Era and like one or two other upstarts at the time for right. independent and or regional travel teams, I, you know, and 
So, you know, we're playing a Tuesday or Wednesday game coming out of a tournament, going into a tournament, and I'm throwing my number seven pitcher and we're right. in a, a one or two run duel with somebody and our kids are just going and playing and having fun. And the other coaches are throwing stuff and everything else. And like, <laughs> you know, cause everybody wanted to beat you. Everybody wanted right. to be to, everybody wanted to prove that their, you know, their, their, their town's travel team could beat the big organization. And the other day, actually in a conversation with uh, Mark Delfonso, the head coach at Lancaster, we were discussing the amount of teams at every age group if for this for summer ball, because, you know, we just went through cuts and you always hear the, you know, there's always, always one. Well, my summer team, mm-hmm. there's, there's 27 summer teams at your age. Right. You know, there's 27 quote unquote showcase teams at your age group. And that's not including the ones that, you know, that don't do a lot of social media and stuff like that, or the towns that have their individual ones that don't necessarily list them as such or, you know, I mean, that was, it took me four minutes to find 27 teams at one age group the one day just to do some right. research for my own, you know, for my own head. But, uh, you know, we also learned the, one of the age groups in Lancaster for town travel has a travel D team. Wow. Which to, right. Which, I mean, which is fantastic from a oh, that's great that you number, yeah. number of players, but at some point, you know, when, when do you draw the line of enough is enough? You know, usually teams struggle to get an A and a B team to both be competitive, but now you have a fourth team at one age group. Like there's, there's no way that that's good enough baseball to, to warrant that. But again, everybody wants to play travel. So, right. And then from our perspective, sometimes a lot of times those are the teams that are causing our umpires, some of the bigger issues. Right. Or, or complaining about the quality of officiating that they're getting at their games. Um, because our, ro- our roster is completely exhausted that night. Um, right. And we're, we're putting people on fields. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause what, the, what, what's the other option? You don't play cause you don't have an umpire. Right. So I have to ask, I put this out there the other day on Go my ahead, Twitter. Yeah. What is your, the, what is the greatest line the great, we'll, we'll, we'll leave it at like a one-liner. What, what is yeah. the best one-liner you've heard or, or gotten to use? I've had, I've had a couple umpires kind of like clap back at me a little bit when I'm being a little bit of a smart ass. So I, I always enjoy um, these conversations. Let's see. Yeah. I, I saw that tweet and I didn't respond cause I, I don't really have anything. <laughs> um, at least that I've heard. Um, the one that I've used recently, um, is um at high school games or games under high school rules hey the book's six dollars go read it before you come argue with me again um (laughs) that that's that's been my go-to a couple of times the infield fly situation that i talked about um, right that line was used then um i've had um a runner runner on second um uh, going on the pitch, stealing, um, and the shortstop takes his prep step right into the runner's path and got trucked. Um, oh. And the coach couldn't understand why the shortstop lying on the ground was guilty of obstruction. Right. Because um, sometimes the guy lying on the ground is the one who did something wrong. Right. Um, so used it then. Um, 
Yeah, as far as hearing stuff from coaches and players, um, I don't really have much to be honest. Well, if uh, I'll, I'll, I'll 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 see if I can help you out with that. If uh, you know when we get to play for the high school, and if you get assigned to a couple Lancaster games, I'll see if I can give you a couple good ones while we're while we're out. Oh, there. Oh, great, go for it. Because uh, um, I got a, I got I got a I got a, I got an entire art an entire artillery of them. Because <laughs> you know, like I said, I've been doing this a long time, and I've, I I do I do try to have a lot of fun with it. Well, but, and uh, and that's and that's something I'm hoping that people will realize um, is there's a lot of umpires who are looking to do the same thing, right? Um, I mean, yes, there is decent money in it, but I don't need to do this for the money. Um, the money right. is nice, but that's not at all why I do this. Um, it's you do it because it's something you enjoy and something I really is fun enjoy. For you. It. Yeah, it's I really enjoy what I do. Um, I'm really enjoying this side of it, being on the administrative side of things a little bit. Um, that's something I never thought I'd be enjoying, but the, right. but the, the training and, um, and that side of things I'm really enjoying so far. Um, I'm just hoping now to get on a field and be able to apply some <laughs> of this stuff. Absolutely. The, uh, I can tell you when I, I did dabble a little bit as an umpire from the time I was like 13 to 16 or 17 at through Lancaster little league. And, uh, my, I think my favorite one-liner as an umpire was calling. Was a coach came out and was arguing with me, and I told him to go to bring me his scorebook. And he brought the, so he called the scorekeeper out, and I said, "What, what, what do you, what do you have in the last play?" He said, uh, "I got an out." I said, "Oh, it's in the book. It's an out." And I walked That's away fair, from yeah. him. And like it, it was just one of one of my you know more genius in the moment go tos. But uh, you know, I I appreciate you coming on. Um, you know, we're hitting the the fifty minute mark here, which is about yeah. where I like to hit it. So. Uh, any anything else for the good of the order? Any shout outs? Any shameless plugs? Any you know anything else for the good of the order? Um, just keep interacting with us on social media, um, Twitter um, at wnyua um, and uh, wnyua.org, um, and hopefully we'll be seeing you guys around uh, sooner rather than later. Uh, hopefully, I uh, yeah. my my good my my. End of the podcast, shameless plug is always for Stinger Sports and uh, Stinger Wood Bats, www.stingerwoodbats.com. For you high school guys out there, they have released their BB Core bat and everything I've heard and seen about it. This thing is absolute fire. Go check that out. Um, anybody needing uniforms, gloves, batting gloves, wood bats, the new BB Core bat, even training aids, tees, the backspin tee, pop-up nets, things like that. You can find it all on their website. Use tip of the cap for a, uh, a checkout for a 10% discount. Uh, there is a link, I believe in my profile on Twitter, if you want to check that out. And I'm going to spend the end of my conversation here with Justin trying to get the Western York umpires in some stinger sports polos. So the, uh, their quality, the quality is incredible. And, you know, I, I, I wouldn't trust anybody else with my business right now with that. So, uh, feel free to go check that out. And Justin, thanks for coming on, man. I had a lot of fun. This was a good talk and I'm definitely going to have you on again. So, all right. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to next time.